We're going to be in Genesis chapter 4, looking at Cain and Abel. And that famous, familiar story, we're really going to hone in on the first handful of verses down through about verse 8. We're going to read through verse 16, so you get that story. Before we do, let me lead us in prayer, and then we'll dive in. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word, written thousands of years ago, telling a story from thousands of years before that, is meaningful and applicable and timely today. Your word is powerful, and may you, uh, through your spirit, speak to us through your word in a way that uh, challenges us uh, to, to be the people that you've called us to be. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I, I want to just jump right in today, and I'm going to read the story from Genesis chapter 4, 1 down through verse 16. And uh, from the Christian Standard Bible, and then we'll go back and, and we'll look at this. The title of today's lesson, you will see, comes from the text, Sin is Crouching at the Door. And uh, when we get into this, I, I think that you'll understand why I, I've looked forward to this message. Uh, you know, it's not an exciting thing. Cain and Abel and all that happened there is, is pretty depressing. But I've looked forward to it for a particular reason, and that is how applicable it is to my life and to yours Let's read. It says, The man was intimate with his wife Eve. So Adam was intimate with his wife Eve. I'll pause there for just a second. Um, some of your versions, the King James, the old King James uses the word uh, Adam knew his wife. That word is translated know oftentimes uh, in Scripture, in particular in the Old Testament, uh, carries that, that, that idea, especially in this context of that relationship between a husband and wife. And so... Once again, the Bible just is rated PG, no matter how you look at it. You can't get beyond that. And if you attended the Song of Solomon class yesterday, you'll know that the Bible gets beyond PG. And uh, maybe beyond PG-13, though Sandra and, and, and uh, Stephen handled that very well. So Adam was intimate with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have had a male child with the Lord's help. She also gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flocks and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for, Abel's, for Abel and his offering, and he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious, and he looked despondent. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you furious? And why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I bro my brother's guardian? Then he said, What have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed, alienated from the ground that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood you have shed. If you work the ground, it will never again give you its yield. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. But Cain answered the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear, since you are banishing me today from the face of the earth, 
I must hide from your presence and become a restless wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord replied to him, In that case, whoever Cain kills will suffer vengeance seven times over. And he placed a mark on Cain so that whoever found him would not kill him. Then Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. I go ahead and read from verse 9 down through the end of the, the passage here, just so that you get the full context. That is, I'm not going to be focused on that part of the passage today, but what you see in that is an interaction between Cain and the Lord that's very similar to what you saw between uh, the Lord and Adam after Adam had sinned in the garden and Adam and Eve were, were expelled from the garden. You see the same type of punishment falling upon Cain as he's being expelled from the land that, that, that was there near his family. But what I want us to focus on today is the struggle that ensues really from about verse 2 down through about verse 8. Because I, I think that that's where more than anything else in this text, we can find the Lord speaking to us about our very nature. Now, the first thing that I want to point out here is that, that Eve knew that life was from God. In verse, I'm going to give you a couple of overarching things before I get to the three main points. And this is one of those, those, those foundational issues. Eve said, I have had a male child. Now, the CSB translates this next phrase, with the Lord's help. The Hebrew is very limited there. The Hebrew uses a whole lot less words that end up being translated into a lot more words in English. In the Hebrew, Eve essentially says, in one word, I gave birth to a man, which is one more word, okay, ish. And then the third word is a preposition connected to a word that means of the Lord, from the Lord. It could actually mean with the Lord. And a preposition et that is connected uh, to the word Yahweh there uh, is translated, it could be translated from, of, with, unto. Uh, it's a pretty broad word. It's a preposition uh, there in Hebrew. And so it's really just four words, but essentially the meaning of that text is Eve is saying, I gave birth to a man and the Lord was the origin of the life. The Lord is the one who gave me the child. The Lord is the one who enabled me to birth the child. And so what I want you to understand from this is even though Eve had had relations with Adam, she understood that life comes from God. That the life that was in her womb would not have been there if God had not given her life. And so when we talk about life as a gift from God, Eve at the very beginning understood that the male child that she birthed was a gift from God. This has all kinds of implications in our culture, but the most important implication that I simply want you to hear today is this, life is a gift from God. Why that's so important is because how Cain devalued life in this text. If, if life is a gift from God, we don't have a right to devalue life at any stage. God is the one who places value on human life. And Eve understood that that life was from God. Now, a couple other foundational issues here I want you to see. 
and there's a long, there's a long time period uh, between uh, verse 1 and verse 2, or verse 2 and verse 3. I, I guess really they're in the middle of verse 2. She also gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. And then Scripture says, in the course of time, Cain presented some land, uh, uh, some of the land's produce. So, you know, we're reading this, and we read Genesis chapter 1, God created. Genesis chapter 2, uh, God's uh, dealing with the, the Eve, uh, Adam in the garden where he creates Eve, you know, the expounded version of the creation story, especially of man. Then you have the fall, and they get rejected from the garden. And now, Adam and Eve are going to have a child. They have a second child. And now these children are adults before you get to the third verse, okay? You see what I mean? We don't have a whole lot of context about what else happened from the time that Cain was born until they were adults, and now they're out there working. One of them's a shepherd, and one of them's working the soil. Now, there's one of the first things that, uh, that people will see in this, and one of the struggles I had was, why was it that one of them's offering was rejected and the other one wasn't? One of the first places our mind goes to is, well, one of them offered sheep, uh, you know, the, the, something from his flock, and another one offered something from the ground. And so God must see the shepherd in a different light than he sees one who tills the soil. I want to just get rid of that idea immediately because you need to remember what was the job that God gave Adam even before the fall, right? Adam was to be the one who tended the garden even before the fall of man. And so there's, there's nothing here about the difference between the content of those offerings or the content or of their occupation. There was no less, uh, lesser or greater honor to be given to the shepherd than was what to, was to be given to the farmer. Uh, they, those are uh, inconsequential at that point. The Scripture is just telling us that one was a farmer and one was a shepherd, okay? So that is not the reason that, that this offering and Cain in himself were rejected by God. And we'll get to a little bit more of that in a moment. I'm going to give you this one more foundational truth. Worship is a gift to God. So when Cain and Abel bring their offering to the Lord, that act of worship is their gift back to God. So let me summarize this for you. Two foundational truths in this text. Life is a gift from God. Worship is a gift to God. So when we bring, bring worship to Him, we are offering a, a sacrificial act of worship, bringing it back to Him as a gift to, to God. Where Cain ran afoul of the Lord is in both of those foundational truths. He fell short in both places. First, he fell short in his offering. And it wasn't just about the content of what he brought, or the, the, that he brought fruit of the land. So I want to dig in on that for just a little bit. Here's the bottom line. Not all offerings are the same, and not all offerings are acceptable to God. But it's not because of the value, the monetary value, that a human would place on those offerings. It has more to do with an issue of the heart. The heart of the worshiper when you come before God with your offering. Do you notice something in this text that I think sometimes we, we miss? It says, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. 
Abel also presented an offering some of the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. The Lord had regard, that word regard there means to have eyes for, he, he looked upon with favor is probably the best way to see that. But I want you to hear what he looked upon with favor. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. God didn't just reject the offering because it was some type of inferior offering. He rejected the person because their heart wasn't right when they brought the offering. Let that sink in for a moment. It wasn't about the fact that the, the fruit of the, the soil, the, the produce that uh, Cain had produced was not as valuable to God as a slaughtered lamb. That, that is not why the offering was rejected. Because God rejected the person and their offering because he knew something was going on there in their heart. And there's some clues in the text that help us to understand why. The first clue is this, and it's not necessarily what God says about Cain's offering, but it's what he says about Abel's. He tells us about Abel's offering, that Abel presented some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And Cain brought an offering. Do you hear that? Abel purposely brought his very best. Cain brought something. Hear the difference in that. God desires us to bring him our best. Now, pause for a moment, and with what you know about God, does he deserve your best, or does he deserve leftovers? Uh, it's a rhetorical question. We all know the answer to that. God who sent his son to die on a cross for us that we could have everlasting life deserves our very best. God, who is the giver of life, deserves our very best. It's not necessary, necessarily that Cain did not understand the value of the produce that he brought. It's that Cain did not understand the value of his God. He didn't understand the value of worship. And so he devalued worship. He sees Abel bringing from the first of his flock. He sees Abel bringing the best of his flock. He sees his brother bringing the best. And so he brings something. I think far too often, that's how we approach God. We just bring something. We don't bring our very best. And it comes from something deep within us. So God desires our best, not our leftovers. God desires our heart, not our stuff. Now, when we bring an offering to God, it represents the value and what we understand in worship. It represents worship is just that. We're expressing to him his worth to us. And so when we bring an offering or a gift in worship, it ought to be rooted in a heart that is grateful for what God has given us. Now, you, there's more evidence than just trying to read between the lines here. The New Testament looks back at this passage in 1 John chapter 3 and says that we don't worship as Cain, who was of the devil or of the evil one, and slew his brother. 
For what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. See, the New Testament understood that Cain had a, had a messed up heart. And because he had a messed up heart, he brought less to God. And God desires our, our whole heart, not just us going through the motions. There's a, a couple who, uh, they were traveling worship uh, evangelists, a, a worship team who we used in some of our revivals when I was pastoring in May, Texas. And uh, they, they called themselves a little group uh, two days later, and it was made up of two teachers, a high school teacher and a junior high teacher from Bangs, Texas. And as I listened to some of their music a couple weeks ago, I was just reminded of how God has people like that all over the United States, who, all over the world whose names will never be on the billboard charts, who they're never going to win a Grammy Award or a Dove Award, but who are faithfully serving the Lord where they are. And they travel all over Coleman County and Brown County and Comanche County singing the good news of the gospel and songs that they wrote. And some of those songs are rich and deep and have, have incredible meaning. One of the songs that has touched me, and of course you know it because I've carried it with me in my heart for 30 years, is a song that they, they call The Power of the Cross. There's one particular verse in there. When they ask the question, does it break the heart of God because he knows that what we do inside these walls sometimes is just for show? Lost among the trappings of the Sunday games we play, do we really recognize the sacrifice he made? Do we know the power of the cross a bridge between God and man, bringing hope to a world that's lost. Do we fully understand the depth and, and, the, and the, the heartache and the power of God's sacrifice for us when he sent his son to die for us on the cross? If we ever truly get a hold of what he's done for us, it should drive us to worship with a whole heart, not half-hearted. And I'm afraid that Lisa and Steve are right in that oftentimes we play Sunday games. We're here because it's Sunday. We're where we're supposed to be on the day we're supposed to be here, but we're not here with our whole heart. God rejected Cain and his offering because of his heart condition. Because he came not bringing his best, he just came bringing something. The second thing that I want you to see in this text that, that really grabs a hold of me and helps me begin to understand myself is what we see in the next interaction between God and Cain. I'll, I'll point out there in, in verse 5, the Scripture says, Because God did not have regard for Cain and his offering, Cain was angry. The CSB uses the word furious. And it's the, the next phrase is translated despondent. It, it, that the word there, the Hebrew word, literally means his head was down. He 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 he, he you can you can see someone walking around with his shoulder slumped and his head's down and he's angry and he's upset because God had rejected his offering. Anger or frustration at that point is, is a predictable human emotion, okay? What do we feel like when we get rejected? My wife addressed this from the pulpit up here yesterday. 
uh, and talked about how, how men, uh, when they face rejection from their spouses, it hurts their fragile ego. Now, the sad truth of that, uh, the sad part of that is it's true. Uh, Tony was sitting on the other side. You know, he's a godly pastor and a servant of the Lord. He goes, yep, me too. Uh, and, and so we recognize that, that oftentimes rejection, and this is not just true of men, okay, uh, we were dealing with couples yesterday, but, but rejection can, can cause us to be angry. It can cause us to be despondent. It can cause us to be upset. And part of it is because it cuts at our heart, right? It, something in us has been rejected. And here, Cain, who brought an offering before God, had been rejected. And, and apparently, he didn't fully understand why. And he's struggling with that. And he's dealing with this rejection. But I want you to hear something here. At this point, Cain is having an emotional response. This is not sin. The human emotional response, it in and of itself, is not the sin. We know that because God tells him, look, if you'll do what's right from here, you'll be accepted. But be careful because sin's right outside the door. It's okay to, sit, to, to get angry. It's okay to have fear. It, it's okay to, to feel depressed at times or to feel down. Human emotion it goes up and down. It, and it, the, a person who tends to have really high human emotions and they, you get on a real high, you also tend to be a person that can hit real lows. And God's put some people together that they, their highs don't tend to be as high, but their lows don't tend to be as low. But bottom line is every single person, every single one of us as a human being is susceptible to emotions. And emotion is not sin. I would argue that Jesus was susceptible to emotions. Jesus wept. Jesus cried in the garden. Jesus hurt. And Jesus also celebrated and he went to parties. He, he cried out to his father, Father, why have you forsaken me? I believe that Jesus certainly expressed human emotions and yet he did not sin. So, there is no sin here in the fact that Cain felt rejected and that Cain had his head down and that Cain was angry, or as the CSV translates this, that he was furious. The, the Hebrew word there, I, I, I looked at more Hebrew this week than I normally do, but the Hebrew word there means hot. He was, he was hot. Uh, when, when you talk about he was furious, he was flaming, he was, he was red-faced, he was angry, okay? And yet, in his anger, the Lord doesn't accuse him of sin at that point. Now, if you don't believe that, let me take it to the next step, because Ephesians chapter 4 is a passage that many of you might know well. Ephesians 4.26, Paul tells the church, be angry and do not sin. He's actually quoting a verse from Psalms. But hear the rest of it, because this takes us into our, our third point in the text this week. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And don't give the devil an opportunity. Sounds to me like Paul's been reading Genesis chapter 4. The story of Cain. Be angry and don't sin. So his, this rejection that he, he had faced from God led to anger and it led to depression. Um, you know, another way to put it, he was pouting at this point, right? He didn't get, 
he wasn't accepted before God. So he, he was upset about it. He had his face down and he was upset. Now here's the beautiful part of this text. And when I told you I look forward to preaching this text today, this is why. Because in his anger and in his pouting with his head down, God doesn't abandon him. In fact, God pursued him. God, who had just received an unacceptable offering from Cain, shows up to Cain. And he says, here in, in, in verse 6, Why are you upset? And why are you despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? I heard a pastor one time use this image, and I don't remember who it was, but it, it, is, it is stuck with me, and it's a beautiful picture. It's as though Cain is mad. He's angry, and he's about to go out, and he's going to let his brother Abel have it, because now what we're learning is he's jealous. Now, jealousy is sin. He's let his anger, he's let his, his frustration, he's let his despondence or depression turn into jealousy, and that, that results in the murder of his brother. And he's, he's headed toward the door. And he grabs the door, and he starts to open that door, and the Holy Spirit appears. And the Holy Spirit puts his hand up there on the door and says, hold on a minute. Stop right here. What you're about to do is sin. If you open that door, if you go through that door, sin is crouching outside that door, and it will destroy you. It desires to master you. Don't go there. And in this interaction from God, you see, you see the beauty of God's grace and God's mercy. Even though Cain had fallen short in his worship, God still loved him. Even though Cain had fallen short with his offering, God still came to him. It doesn't say Cain went to God. It says God showed up and asked him, why are you furious? Why do you look despondent? God meets us in our times of temptation. God meets us in our times of struggle and frustration and anger. God will meet us there because he loves us. And he offers us an alternative just like he offered Cain an alternative. So God looks at him and says, if you do what's right, right now, well, keep it in context. His offering was subpar. His heart wasn't in the right place at that point. But if you repent right now, if you do what's right, you'll be accepted too. God had accepted his brother because his heart was right. His offering was of its very best. If you stop right now and you do what's right right now, you repent, you'll be accepted. How many times has, have I heard that gentle voice of the Holy Spirit say, stop it. Dennis, if you take that next step, sin's going to come a master over you. Don't, don't let sin have its way. Stop it right here. Don't go through that door. 
And how many times have I opened the door and busted right through it? See, the good news is that unlike Cain and Abel, we even have better news. We have the very presence of the Lord, not only with us, but in us. John chapter 14, Jesus tells us, tells his disciples, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send my spirit to be with you and he will be in you. Those of you that are believers in Christ, you have the very spirit of the living God dwelling in you. And that's why you hear that voice. God's with you when those times of temptation comes. God is speaking to you. He's warning you. He's warning you in his word. He's warning you in, by his spirit in your own heart. He's warning you. And if you'll simply listen to God's warning, you can avoid a lot of heartache and a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. Yes, sometimes you're angry. Sometimes you're feeling those emotions of jealousy. Sometimes you're, you're de despondent, you're depressed, your head is down, and that makes you just want to bust through that door and do what you know you're not supposed to do. But for the believer, God is standing at the door, holding it closed and saying, I'm going to give you a chance. Here's your opportunity. If you do what's right, right now, you'll be accepted. But if not, sin's right outside that door and it'll destroy you. My prayer is that more and more as I grow in faith, that I listen in obedience to that voice. Now, I want to back up for just a second because I, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if we just began in the right place to start with? If we come here and we bring offerings that are acceptable to the Lord. You know, we have that opportunity. We can start there. We don't have to get down the road that we're able got. We can start right there. I know that uh, when we're talking about offerings, we're not just talking about monetary offerings, certainly. That, that's probably down the road from God's greatest concern. His greatest concern is bringing the right heart. I know that yesterday in Brenda's class on financial management, she had told me she was going to do this. I just see God put all of this together. She encouraged those that attended that class to take a moment to think through how they misuse their finances. That incredible gift, that blessing that God's given them, and write down where you've sinned in your finances and, and place that in a box. And she sealed the box. And, and I'm sharing this for a reason because I, I want you to know what's happened in this world. And uh, she told me she wanted to do this, kind of asked permission. She wants to bring those. Nobody will know who wrote them or who they're from and just lay them at the altar as an expression of bringing our shortcomings before God and surrendering it to him. That, that's a very physical, wonderful picture because oftentimes we all, we hoard things from God. We, we, we like Cain, bring him something, but not our best. And anytime we bring him something and not our best, we're falling short of what it truly means to worship God. He's worthy of our best. And so I want to encourage you today to allow the Holy Spirit to examine your heart and say, Lord, is there some area of my life where I'm just bringing you something, but I'm not bringing my best? 
And as the Holy Spirit convicts you and speaks to your heart and challenges you, if you need to come to the altar and just pray and lay that down and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I know in this area of my life, I haven't been bringing you my best. And it might be your finances. You, you might in your own head right now identify there's an area of my finances where I'm not being obedient to God. I'm spending money where I shouldn't be spending money. I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing. It may not be finances at all. It may be another issue of your heart where you're not giving God all of it. You're not bringing your best. So I want to challenge you today that if God is, is speaking to you, whether you physically walk to the altar or not, bring that, that area of shortcoming. Bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I give this over to you. From this day forward, I want to give you my very best. Second, if you right now are faced with an issue in your life where you are struggling, and the Holy Spirit's telling you, don't go through that door. I want to plead with you to listen and obey. Once you make that decision, you turn back to God in repentance and say, Lord, I was wrong. I'm not going to go through that door. I'm going to follow you. you. You will be fully accepted before the Lord. Now, let me give you one more bit of good news that Cain didn't necessarily have this opportunity the way that you do and I do. If you've already gone through the door and you've already been overwhelmed by your sin or by the, the, the outcome of your sin, in Christ there is still forgiveness. If you feel like that sin, that habit has mastery over you, because of what Christ did on the cross, he broke the chains of the power of sin, and you can still bring it to the Lord in repentance and turn back to him. And, and he will receive you, and he'll forgive you, and he'll, he'll carry you forward. You, in that case, once you've committed the sin, you may still have some repercussions on this earth. There may still be consequences because you went through the door, but you still have the opportunity to receive forgiveness from God for that sin as he adopts you into his family and receives you as his own. But hear this, because I know, I know that as I look out across the congregation, when I use that illustration, you've been there. You've stood at the door and you've heard the Holy Spirit say, don't do it, don't do it. And you've done it anyway. The next time that happens, I want you to think of Cain. And I want you to remember this passage. You've been listening to a Sunday morning message from our services here at First Baptist Wataga. Our family's mission is to exalt the Savior, equip the saints, and evangelize the lost. If you want to know more about First Baptist Wataga or need to reach out to us for prayer, go to fbcwataga.org and let us know. In all things, to God be the glory, honor, and praise.